0: Hello everybody. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Zach. And this is MC Car Guys Podcast. You can join us on all the social media at MC Car Guys,
1: Or if you wish, and we really do wish you wish to wish, that you could reach us at MZcarGuys at gmail.com. Well, Matt, dear heavens, it's the end of 2019, sir. It is. It's the end of the decade, and what a decade it's
0: been for cars. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. Holy crap. I mean, the the stuff that has has happened in, in the last 10 years is just amazing.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this uh, a little earlier today, actually, and to give you a very brief <clears throat> list, here are some things that have happened that seem pretty momentous to me. So... Um, Hybrid supercars, the invention of the hypercar, carbon fiber, Uh, uh, direct injection, uh, turbocharging uh, regular old passenger everyday cars.
1: Well, I think we can all go... Yeah, I mean, and and we can go into more in depth and in detail over the next, you know, 45 minutes or so. But, um, I mean, it's, it's amazing because if you... If you think about it, the the similarities between the two thousand teens and the nineteen teens is remarkable. Really? Uh, I mean, I mean, realistically, the only thing we're missing is steam power,
0: <laughs> which <laughs> I, I mean, make we'll a firm pass on.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, because in in, in the nineteen teens, you had, uh, I mean, electric was still very much in the conversation gasoline was starting to kind of uh, you know overtake everything because it was becoming and tell me if this sounds familiar it's becoming more efficient <laughs> yes you know and, and cars were becoming easier to use and they were becoming much more um kind of universal in their you know in their form and function and stuff and pretty much what we're kind of seeing right now. Um, Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, what do we talk about first? I mean, over, I mean, from night, I mean, from 2010 to 2019, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I think just off your, because during the two thousands, Anything with hybrid was. Well, I I mean, to say boring wouldn't even do it justice. No,
0: it was automatic. Hybrid automatically meant hippie mobile.
1: You just did. Yeah. Uh, Civic hybrid. um, There was briefly for two years, you know, put hat over heart. Uh, you know, for the demise of the V six hybrid in the Accord, um, mm-hmm. the Civic hybrid, the Insight, which I think we can all kind of want to forget about. Um, yes, the weirdness of the Chevy Tahoe and Chevy or oh. uh, GMC. Yeah, Yukon. The, the hybrid, and then the the GMC Sierra hybrid oh it was That's just kind of a it was um, it was all just that was these
0: these awful one. awkward missteps of you know well-intentioned garbage that just you know they tried to sell yeah but, it was, but we
1: got but, yeah. but we got through that to get into now we have i mean oh my gosh you have got the McLaren P1 the LaFerrari <laughs>
0: uh, the, the, the 918
1: Spider got, Right. Yeah, the Porsche 918 Spyder, and then Um, it all took off from there. Yeah, Um, and and not only just those, you know, hypercars. Which in the 2000s you had one hypercar, and that was the Veyron, and and it stood supreme. And now in the 2000s you have, I mean, insane. I mean, you have a company that devotes itself to hypercars. Thank you, Koenigsegg. Mm -hmm. Christian von Koenigsegg. Oh, if I could ever meet that man, I don't think that I would be able to not hug him. I mean, he he just exists. Yeah. He reminds me so much of uh, everything that I've read about W.O. Bentley. (laughs) Just, you know, I just, I I hope he has, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, W.O. Bentley loved racing and making fast cars and all that team, you know, all that type of thing. And he was very much a gentleman. And Christian von Koenigsegg, every time I've seen him discussing things with people and stuff like that, he's very much a gentleman. Um you know, uh, uh, cool. Both him and um oh his first name is eluding me. Uh Pagani. Oh, Arasio. Oh yeah, thank you. I, I knew you'd know. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, but I mean, now you've got tons of supercars, but, but hybrid for performance, mm-hmm. you know, you've got, um, yeah. well, I mean, you have the Acura RLX hybrid, uh, the Acura yep. NSX, Yep. Um, BMW and Mercedes are using hybrid as performance and efficiency. Um, I mean, my gosh.
0: <laughs> right it's it's, uh, it's truly gone mainstream,
1: yeah I mean and you have electric has become just I mean an absolute powerhouse when you know no matter what you may think of him personally thank you Elon Musk
0: <laughs> well yes I mean what 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 Tesla has done cannot be understated and no, it's, it's 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 extraordinary when when electric cars dropped below three seconds zero to sixty, and the cars were five figures, it blew the world away. Yeah, just extraordinary. I mean, you know, and then you step back and look at it from an engineering perspective, and you go, "Well, duh." But but the truth of it was that to ninety percent of the world, they all went, wait what? It was just it was it, it was a game changer. It was electric cars stopped being sort of that Ed Bagley pet project. You know, this is never going to happen. This is totally impractical. This is you know yeah. the GM EV one, and and it, all of a sudden it became this you know status symbol, this thing that you know the silicon valley top people were going this is cool i'm cool and i drive this which makes this car cool
1: well and that's why i think the 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 tesla model s being named car of the decade i think is so appropriate and (sighs) and i would and i and what you disagree well yeah I do I do I fundamentally disagree. Okay, okay. I challenge are you are you for, for, first off for everybody um <laughs> Matt Matt is uh is is celebrating uh the end of the year uh what are we celebrating with uh sir why don't we do a Oh uh, uh, well
0: we uh, we've we had some wine and we switched on to beer now because my family is out of town.
1: Yes. And so, therefore, you don't have to put up any kind of
0: <laughs> nope, no, no, of... no, No pretense, no responsibilities. I've done my chores. I am enjoying it. It is the dog and me on
1: the couch, and that's it. There you go. Anyways, so I, 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 then I, I issue the challenge, sir. What, what car do you think... Okay, here here well here's why here's why I'm okay with the Tesla Model S being the car of the decade. Okay. Let me let me put forth my, my thing and then you can kind of rebuttal. Please. Because it took a it you have a family sedan, so it's a full size sedan mm-hmm. with a lot of front and rear cargo space. Right. Um, it gave us ludicrous mode. It not only gave us ludicrous mode, but it also gave us, um, more importantly, a a much wider um, acceptance uh, or, or m- much more uh, a much wider uh, application of over the air updates. The fact that you could go. Out, you know, that you could park your car one day, go out to it the next day, and just like your iPhone, it would automatically update itself. And the one thing that Tesla has not had an issue with has been their operating software, because they're constantly updating it, they're constantly improving it. Um, it gave you a much uh, you have. Elon Musk, who has kept that very rickety-leaking boat afloat just by his sheer willpower and has created a uh, just such a fanatical um, following. And the Tesla Model S is a darn good car. It built everything. Brivian, you know, uh, um, Ford, uh, virtually nothing electric that's coming out now that we'll see over the next decade would have even been thought of as possible really without the success of Tesla. And I, and, and I can't think of another car in the last 10 years that has done the same thing. What do you think? Okay, so I don't have,
0: off the top of my head, I don't have a candidate to rebut the car of the year at the moment. However, I do have some reasons why Model S doesn't deserve the car of the year. Okay. Let's start mm-hmm. with, with over-the-air updates. Here's the biggest issue with over-the-air updates, which is Tesla can arbitrarily add and remove features without owner consent. True. You don't own the features of your car because those updates are pushed whether you accept them or not. There is no agency on the part of the owner. Therefore, your car isn't truly your own, because you're subject to the whims of Tesla and what they choose to do with the car that day, that week, that month, that year. So what uh, you
1: and, and 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 as an Android owner of a phone, Android.
0: yep, advocate I, as well. I,
1: yes, and 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 as an a, and as an Android advocate, I, I like that idea of of having freedom of choice of what you. Do and what we oh, want do. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Please so, go ahead.
0: on top of that, you and I both know we have a shared acquaintance who used to work at the Tesla factory. And we know that one of the things he's told us is that they had a 90% failure rate with the manufacturing process. What I mean by that is 90% of the cars that came off the line immediately had to go to the service department to be fixed because they weren't manufactured, correct? So even though they've been in production for a while, there's...
1: Just putting it out there, that's what we were told. We don't have any figures to back that up, official or other.
0: Right. This is secondhand knowledge from a trusted source. And that was Model S and Model X. The Model 3 appears to be doing better, which means they've been improving over time. But still, we're talking about the entire production run of the Model S as a whole from beginning to now, which the entire thing feels less than fully baked. The other thing about it is that the Model S has never made a profit. It has never been self-sustaining. Model S was originally paid for using venture capital money in combination with money that came from the federal government. Later, when that money ran out, it was sustained by deposit money from the Model 3 but has never actually made money on its own. When Tesla made money when it made a profit, it was only as a result of fourth quarter uh, orders of the Model 3 as a result of people who wanted to get that $7,500 rebate back as soon as possible and then looked, so lo and when, behold quarter one of the next year orders dropped off by 75% and they took a big loss again.
1: Well, I mean, yes. I, I'm not talking, I mean, because you and I have always had a kind of issue with how Tesla has been kind of, the, the fact that the company still even exists is just sheer amazement to oh yeah most people. Oh, for sure. You those know, who have, have
0: studied it at I all mean, over like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, exactly, and and you know, and the fact that they, because they didn't even have oh, their their loss, um, of uh, you know, returned deposits, was remarkably low for a company having those big issues. Yes. Um, but I, I but i i'm not necessarily talking about them as a company or how they've been doing everything but just the symbol of what the model s is and what it did for the automotive industry so i i understand i mean, I, mean, I, mean, I i mean, i i i i i you could say you know, you could come up with something a little bit more mundane but maybe stands out a little bit more like the Honda Accord maybe that's i mean you know
0: arguably that's more the car of the fourth quarter 20th century than anything else
1: <laughs> but, but but i don't think yeah i don't know but that
0: that 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 is the trouble right is i don't have an actual vehicle to rebut it with only because it would take more time for me to think of like over the last 10, here's part of the problem. Full confession. I wasn't a car guy 10 years ago. No, I was, I that was a, true. I was a budding car guy. I was just at the very beginning. of. So, hey, what is, what does VTech mean? Like, what does that actually do? Like how does an automatic transmission work? how is a manual transmission what's a clutch those are the kind of questions i was asking 9 and 10 years ago on the web during yeah. during free time during, during lunch breaks and stuff at work so i don't have the full 10 year perspective of what's going on i mean the last 5 6 years i more so but uh um, yeah. it's 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 i would almost argue that the car of the last 10 years is the toyota rav4 in terms of the impact it's had wow okay yeah i mean i mean it i'm not a big fan of the car the car doesn't over the last 10 years none of the models that have come out have so sort of impressed me as a driving car but in terms of the impact the car has had on the general population nationwide as opposed to the coastal population i would say it's it's a larger impact um, it's certainly the fastest growing category of car, um, and the number one seller in that category nationwide over the last ten years. So, and the fact that the okay. hybrid version now is extraordinary is is worth noting. Um, it's not an exciting choice.
1: No, um, I mean, and I guess I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess I. Okay, let's say this. The and I would argue, but that's just me.
0: It's it's yeah, it's close enough.
1: But yeah, I mean yeah, close your eyes and tell me which <laughs> uh, one. So so it would be more like the behind the scenes influencer. Of of everything, and the Model S would be kind of like the really kind of in your face influence.
0: Right, right. The Model S is a sexy choice, right? The the Rav4 or the CRV. Yeah, call it the Japanese compact SUV if you really want to be broad about it. But that's like the more rational choice, I would say.
1: Yeah, because then because then you can add because then you can put Mazda CX five, Toyota Rav4, Subaru Forester, Honda CRV, and Subaru Forester. Right. I think you can add all those together. Right. And that kind of is... And that's sort of like the king. the vast... Yeah, exactly. So that would be... So compact SUV as the car of the decade? <laughs>
0: Real, realistically, <laughs> I would say, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, okay. Wow, we... If we if we can't find a good way out, we'll go a cheap way. That's good. <laughs> All right.
0: Anyways. <laughs> you don't have to agree with me. I'm um, just I'm just saying it's like this makes a <laughs> lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I mean and, and and I guess now we can kind of talk about um you know, we've already kind of sort of touched on it. Um one of the biggest, most remarkable things to happen within the last ten years um is uh is is car the, the the upgrade of the infotainment system and the fact that it, and oh god the yeah the connectivity within cars i mean is in is, is immense yeah i mean it used to be you know when you had just Oh, man, I mean, I, I remember when Bluetooth was, like, this huge big thing. The only problem with it is, is the fact that there's just issues with Bluetooth, for the most part.
0: Well, but, yeah, so few phones supported Bluetooth, you know, even a decade ago.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that you're able to, you know, I mean, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, I think, has been... A huge uh, has had a huge impact on people's ability to connect with a car, um, but also just the the improvements in in safety also has just accelerated immensely. Yeah. Um. And and I and I think you can really kind of. I think the people who can hold their head up the highest with that I would have to say is IIHS, the Insurance Insurance Institute of Highway Safety. Mm -hmm. They have been so influential. um, And and it all really kind of started with their small frontal overlap. Mm -hmm. It was a genius Um, test that
0: they created. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, and, and it was they were seeing an alarming number of cars that had the that that passed very well their their over their you know there's their moderate overlap, you know, which is just half the front of the hood. Mm-hmm. They were seeing cars that did very well with that in the real world were having much greater issues. Um, and if you kind of think about it, it's kind of a duh. You know, if you're heading for something, you're not going to try to hit it head on. You're going to try to swerve away. Well, when you swerve away, chances are you're going to hit a much smaller section of the front of the car as a frontal impact. And, and go ahead. And, and the introduction of that test, I mean, just sent a shock wave through the whole automotive industry. And I think it was at that particular moment that IIHS was able to kind of go, okay, we have some clout here to really start impacting the safety of automobiles. Because everybody's reaction, every single manufacturer's reaction to that small frontal overlap Um was dramatic. And then you have now the, the headlight test, Mm -hmm. which a lot of manufacturers have, you know, responded to. And now with all the active safety features, um, they're starting to get really into, uh, I mean, IIHS is really getting into um, pedestrian detection and really kind of, okay, what, what is this, um, you know, and, and how do we improve this and stuff like that? And so, you know, with a, with, with a company that doesn't really have, you know, they, they don't, they, they have influence in the fact that they can, you know in, in insurance you know companies look to them for uh you know for ratings and stuff like that but they've really been able to to do quite a lot with
0: right i mean the the the, the big thing was that the nhtsa the four you know three four star five star those folks had some really good testing for a long time, but with the IAHS took it one step further, a significant step further, because of what they uh, realized was... Like
1: four or five steps further.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, but the small front overlap particularly was a huge realization of mom is driving down the road. She has multiple kids in the car. They are going to be in the outside seats on each side She's going to steer herself toward, let's say, a light bulb, right? For the car's careening out of the out of control. Yeah. Rather than hitting the in it straight on dead center, because she knows that there's an airbag in the steering wheel that's going to help keep her safe as opposed to letting it crunch into the middle or where the kids are, whatever else is going on. So the driver side front small front overlap became critical because that became a huge portion of the actual collisions that were occurring. And so once they realized that, said, "Oh, let's not just do this with some objective hypothetical. Let's do this actual like real world what's going on." So it's you could you could argue that as much as gas mileage gets very legitimate. Amount of focus in this country that it's really the safety stuff that has kind of taken over both highway safety and high impact collision in the U S and pedestrian safety in Europe where collisions are more frequent, but much lower impact.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, because of our, I think we have, if I'm correct, I think we, the, the United States, and I'm talking to everybody, including our Brazil audience, which is still number two, (laughs) Weirdly enough, of uh of of our listening audience, um, but it, it, the United States, I believe, is still we have the highest average speed. Uh, driven by driven by automobiles, so our crash oh, yeah. test ratings are greater than I believe the rest of the world.
0: Yep, you are correct, and it's not really and, that close.
1: Yeah, so. Um but uh it it is it's it's very it's very awesome that uh, that that crash test standards and active safety things like improving lighting, um uh, improving um you know uh pedestrian detection with the collision mitigation braking system of cars. Um, and, and and so forth you know, with the auto braking and everything um, and just that improvement over the last decade uh, is quite dramatic um, but you were talking to me about something earlier um, mm-hmm. and that is uh, the improvement in the efficiency of gasoline engines
0: Oh yeah it's, it's been well, it's been dramatic. Uh, okay. Here's a couple of big examples. Okay. Ten years ago, there was no such thing as direct fuel injection.
1: In, in gasoline.
0: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in in straight gas engines, which straight gas engines, at least in America, have always been 90, 95% of all cars sold in America. So you can you can we can discuss diesel if you want but it's not really that relevant so that that factor alone where you have this incredible ability to put fuel directly into the cylinder it sprays at a higher pressure it sprays in much smaller droplets that create more efficient burn so you get less fuel in the cylinder plus you get because it sprays onto the cylinder wall. It actually cools the cylinder more, which makes it more efficient. So you don't have as much worry about overheating and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you've got less fuel per combustion. And you have the ability, because of the computers now, the ability to actually regulate it. So at lower RPM, it has less fuel and less air. At higher RPM, it has more fuel and more air and all the other good stuff it needs to do to make it operate as efficiently as possible. That alone, is a huge change, and then on top of that, you take that ability and then you add in a turbo, so you have a even smaller engine. So what used to be a two point, like let's say five liter, now becomes a one point five liter with a turbo that gives you the same amount of power with uh, more efficiency, especially when you're, like say, idling or you know crawling along in in stop and go traffic, and it's a huge bug. I don't know, 20%, 30%, something like that. I'm, I'm sort of spitballing here, but it's got to be in that range. It's just incredible. Did I lose you?
1: I'm still here. Matt? Yeah. Yep. Matt, you hear me? Okay. Yep. You got me? Yeah. So I was just looking something up. Okay. So a 2011, let's just put it, let's just say Honda Civic. Sure. Good example. Okay, two thousand Honda City, twenty six, highway thirty four. Now let's say it's a two thousand nineteen Honda Civic. It's and you're now thirty two city, forty two highway.
0: Right. So it's a it's an average. Combined average of a seven mile per gallon bump, just by changing the technology yeah. that the that the fuel flows yeah. through. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, and what's 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 the horsepower? Twenty eleven, by the way.
1: Uh oh, oh oh oh! Hold on. Because that bumped uh, up too. Look, forget oh, about the horsepower.
0: Yeah, just just the horsepower. <laughs>
1: One hundred and thirteen. <laughs>
0: Horsepower jump by sixty.
1: <laughs> yeah, one hundred and thirteen. No, 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 more. Yeah, well, no, uh, no, no, you're right. Yeah, the one seventy four. Yeah, yeah, to one seventy four. That's yeah. amazing. And the weight didn't go
0: up. That yeah, high. and you yes, went the weight with the weight went up, but it didn't. It didn't go up enough to compensate for the sixty
1: horsepower. That's
0: incredible.
1: Yeah, and and you went from a. Here's the best part. You went from a one point eight, down to a one point five. Yeah. Just by adding C V T, uh improved C V T technology and uh, you know, and and, and 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 yeah, we're talking about the Honda Civic. I'm using this as kind of like 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 a like a benchmark and that type of thing. But the rest of the auto industry has been the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. You know? I well, mean
0: it definitely carries across. It's not like the Civic is some sort of anomaly. It's absolutely widespread. Yeah, that that alone uh, is, a, keep, is a huge example. About, at, yeah. Okay.
1: I'm I'm looking at, at one thing real quick here.
0: Okay. Not not a problem. But yeah. Go ahead. Probably probably the best example, and granted, this spans two decades. But give give me a second. Is that roughly speaking, if you look at what a, the average V6 passenger car was making in terms of horsepower 20 years ago, it's about the same as what. A four cylinder mix now, both of them naturally aspirated.
1: Okay, I got, I got Inge- one. Even That's incredible. Even better for you. Okay. Ford F 150. Okay. Okay. Ford. Uh, I don't know what engine that they're using this as uh, for, for it, but, and I'm just going with Google. Uh seventeen city twenty-three highway wow. two thousand eleven. Hold on. No, the while's coming. Two
0: thousand nineteen. Twenty-two city thirty highway. Oh my gosh. So 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 the highway has become the city mileage. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean and I mean and, and that's you know, and and that and that's probably using their, their EcoBoost. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: They went from a V8 to again, a twin turbo V6. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, t- turbocharging engines, you know, you're able to go to a, you know, and turbos have become much more reliable by far, um, you know, with, with Most electronic wastegates and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: And, and, and better so, cooling and better as of what happens if they were to overheat and so on. Yeah. Big difference,
1: yeah, and it's only going to get better with, you know, um, one of the things that was introduced as a technology, um, actually several things that were introduced as a technology, in in the in the 2010s was uh, free valve. Thank you once again, Mr. Christian Koenigsegg, Christian von Koenigsegg.
0: Yeah, guys. Uh,
1: Mazda introduced uh, the, um, the 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 multi ignition. Um, to where it can be go, it, where it can go from compression ignition to, you know, ign, you know, spark ignition. Uh, oh,
0: Lexus. oh, the the, the Mazda uh, Skyactiv-X thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Skyactiv-X. Um, yeah. To Lexus's uh, variable displacement. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that that's that's a tricky one. We should talk about it more in a future podcast. But that's that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing that because now you have all of the stuff that's been introduced and stuff. I mean, just fuel mileage increase is is just so dramatic. I mean, it, it's yeah. Anyways, but yeah, the, the improvement in fuel mileage. Um, what, what else you got, Matt?
0: So, uh, okay. A couple of big things. So 2010 was the year that the federal government introduced, uh, 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 rollover standards. So what that means in English is that in that year, they said that all new cars being built had to be able to roll over on the roof have without having the roof collapse. Well, sounds great, right? It's a huge step up in safety. The problem yeah. is that that meant much more steel or reinforcement in the in all the pillars, the A pillar, the B pillar, and the C pillar, which also meant yep. that you had even bigger blind spots because you had more of a gap between the glass for the rear passengers versus the rear windshield. So it became harder yeah. to you know see out. So the fact that they invented blind spot monitor to be able to compensate for that which then some genius also decided. Wait a second, this same radar technology that shoots out at a forty-five degree angle, more or less, from the blind spot monitor, can also be used to check for cars coming through the parking lot as you're backing out of a tight parking space.
1: Mm-hmm. And cross look traffic for that,
0: so you don't so you, right, so you don't back into the car coming through the lot. Is kind of brilliant, and everyone kind of takes it for granted now, but it's almost standard. Not quite there, but it's getting yeah. close. well, it's a huge Honda's, deal. Honda's getting there, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and, and lots of other manufacturers are there. Um, but it's yeah. it's pretty extraordinary stuff, um, and it's only been in the last few years that people have kind of woken up to the idea that wait a second, this is something I really want and really can make good use out of. And you don't have to explain it most of the time; people already know what it is. I mean, now the backup
1: cameras are standard.
0: Which took way too long, by the way. Um,
1: this, yeah, it was really weird yeah. how other, how some other manufacturers really kind of fought uh, that. Yeah, that was weird. I mean,
0: yeah, I yeah. Mean, in in twenty in twenty fifteen, for example, um, every BMW the backup camera was a seventeen hundred dollars option, and then in twenty eighteen it, it was every single one. right, right, yeah, you know. Um, and Toyota had it too pretty much across the board by 20 yeah
1: years.
0: but somehow the, the Germans decided that they could pick more more money off of this by making it an an extra cost option
1: but well they did the same um, thing with Apple CarPlay how, how 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 much was Apple CarPlay to have in a BMW
0: the Apple CarPlay was it was 880 80 bucks a year and yeah just made it free. and then they and it still doesn't work yeah
1: well, wireless Apple CarPlay has been a bit of an issue. If
0: well, yeah, it, between between the reliability and the security of the feature, it's all just it's all a it's all a huge mess. Um, yeah,
1: just just plug it in, folks. It, it's it, it makes it's it easier and charge the phone at the same yeah. time.
0: Right now, well, this is some for a future podcast. But smartphone integration needs its own discussion all onto itself.
1: Oh but, my gosh, yeah.
0: But the fact that safety has improved, and safety as weight, and the fact that gas mileage has improved, and gas mileage needs lower weight, and then the fact that horsepower has improved, and all those things combined are just, it's incredible that gas mileage has improved as weight increased, and horsepower increased, because that shouldn't be possible.
1: Well, gas mile so horsepower increased overall, gas mileage increased overall, safety increased overall, but weight really didn't go up that much. Well, what, what did a twenty eleven Civic weigh? Well, I don't know, Mr. Matt. Let me go ask Mr. Google.
0: Okay. Because I know that they, that a current generation Civic weighs around thirty-five to 3,600 pounds. That sounds about right. Possibly as low as 32.
1: Yeah, so curb weight is around 3,000 pounds. 2011 Honda Civic. So 2019 Honda Civic. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Why won't you tell me? Uh, Keep talking, Matt.
0: Sure. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be. So if it 20, 2011 is 3,000 even, it's going to be something like, it should be somewhere around 3,500, I think. It might be less. It might be 32.
1: Uh, no, it's right at 3,000.
0: That's incredible. So that means that materials technology has improved to the point that they've been able to lightweight other parts of the car in response to compensate yeah. for the fact that the little safety check is in there
1: now that in I, itself is pretty
0: I, kind of amazing
1: i i think as long as we're talking about the 2010s, we do have to kind of talk about two very sensitive subjects uh speaking of honda and other manufacturers okay. of course uh what do you think of when I say the word takata? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you mean those airbag things.
1: Yeah, the whole airbags are killing people stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, so
1: to 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 just a few people um which is too many. Um but it was only in uh, environments uh, in first generation Takata air or early uh, Takata airbags and so forth, um, but it was uh, it was it was how Takata handled the problem, which was the problem.
0: Yeah, which was they stuck their heads in the sand and pretend it didn't exist. Um, yeah, but... so. But the gist of it was that Honda happened to be the one who caught all the hell for it because their cars were still on the road. Basically, um, it was early two thousands cars. The problem was caught in twenty uh, fourteen or fifteen. Twenty. I can't which. Twenty. Okay, and it was primarily cars in high heat, high humidity conditions. We'd been in those conditions for 10 plus years and all of a sudden the airbag started to spontaneously combust and uh, people were hurt and killed and this is, it was terrible, uh, but it was something that they had never really tested for, probably because Japan doesn't experience those kind of extreme temperatures for that long period of time, but it's i mean you know our hearts go out to those people who were affected by it it's to be totally honest it's just it's an awful thing to have happened it's also it it felt like a bit of an overreaction
1: Matt you got me
0: i do i do hey that was a little bit really cut weird. off there but uh yeah that that was, was really i weird. Weird. Uh,
1: yeah. wouldn't be wouldn't be uh wouldn't be podcasting without uh some technical difficulties, but anyway. But <laughs> I think we basically—that's kind of, very true. Yeah, I think we kind of basically, you know, you know, Takata, Takata did something bad. They got, you know, really punished for it, and uh, everything is much much better now. So,
0: yeah, they're 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 still replacing the last of the airbags, so it's still working itself out. But uh, we're definitely on the on the tail end of it, and um, yeah, we we all. Really hope nothing like that ever happens again.
1: Oh by far, by far. And speaking of tail end, uh emissions. What does that bring to mind, Matt? Oh yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm doing that. <laughs> what do you uh what 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 comes to mind when I talk about the the two thousand teens and emissions? <laughs> And uh, dieselgate, and, and, and yeah, and people doing nasty, dirty things. <laughs> Which, okay, Which prob- we're getting this out of the way
0: really, really quickly before I, before I let you because you have some really good material here. I know that you do, and there's a lot of good material to pull from. Oh yeah, here's I I studied this as closely as I could possibly could, and the most fascinating thing to me about dieselgate is not the arrogance, and it's not the blowback, and it's not the fines. Most fascinating thing is that under European Union law, Volkswagen didn't do anything wrong.
1: Nope, that's the best part.
0: <laughs> under American law, they did. Under European law, not so much.
1: Well, they they were upfront about it with the European Union. Yeah. They yeah. weren't so upfront about it. With the EPA in America, right? So, so I'm
0: gonna get I'm I'm gonna get the history. Then I'm gonna let Zach uh, move forward with some of the uh, the more fun stuff. But just yeah, go
1: ahead. an
0: American university team set out to do some testing. missions. took a Volkswagen Jetta TDI as yep. one of the cars, and they tested it both with uh, in standard mode and then tested it again with traction control. And they found that the emissions were much lower with the traction control disabled and the car also didn't perform as well in terms of overall like acceleration and top speed and what have you and they thought that it was very strange and this this harkens back to a test that car and driver had done with the same car when they said it's really unusual with this car because we noticed that when we turned off traction control that the car actually slowed down and didn't perform as well on our on our testing procedures right and all the things that they've done in their test track and and whatever else they were doing. And which is unusual, it's said, because almost every car performs better with the traction control disabled. And it turns out that when emissions testing is done at large facilities around the world, especially, that they always test with the traction control turned off to get the most pure experience of the car possible. Well, yeah. so Volkswagen set in the emissions controls specifically to pass when tcs was disabled but then to give people the actual full driving experience during normal driving which didn't pass emissions
1: nope <laughs> yeah no it, and 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 that was a thing and 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 yeah so with traction control turned off emissions st- emissions went up so it got better emissions but the performance and everything was just bad. Right. And so was average fuel economy. Mm -hmm. Money. Now I have to say this. Take the emissions part out of it. If you take the emissions part away from it, TDI was a fantastic, fantastic engine. Oh agreed. It just was. Um, I mean, in in normal mode, <laughs> quote unquote, um, it it performed great. It got insane fuel mileage. Um, I, I mean, I mean, it, it was everything that you wanted it to be, except for the fact that it would kill spot apples by the dozens as you drove by. It, <laughs> pretty much.
0: You were basically rolling coal without knowing it.
1: Oh my gosh, you <laughs> so bad. But um, but he but, was, he,
0: he loved it, his car. He loved his sport wagon, I, team, a Jetta sport wagon.
1: He oh my it. gosh, so many. I and 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 you and I, you know, because uh, if 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 our listening audience doesn't realize, me, so you and I are actually in the automotive sales business, and the vast Shoot. number of people, what's up. It's a secret. It's a bad secret. It's a, poorly it's a kept terribly secret. kept secret. It's a <laughs> terribly kept. Secret. Um, but we saw so many people like like when 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 the TDI buyback program was was going through and people were having to turn their cars in and get checks and stuff like that. I can't tell you how many people were so furious. That they were having to give up their TDI or Jetta or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. So furious. And 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 it's they. Over. Well, and they were so hard to work with because, really, honestly, truly, what they wanted was a that Volkswagen, car again. Volkswagen TDI. Wanted that car, and and yeah. there was nothing out there that that would simulate it now i do have to say there is a silver lining to this
0: um mm-hmm. i hope um, we're on the same page i hear i like where you're going with this
1: I, it, it, the silver lining of this is electrify america there's a similar yep. program right over, in, over in europe where they have to invest i believe it's one billion dollars Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, in in electric car infrastructure, and so, forth. and and even though I'm not, I'm I'm I, I'm very hopeful for electric cars in the future. Um, you know there there's still going to be some people who are going to be, you know, hesitant about it, and I think a plug-in hybrid, um, sorry, a usable electric range plug-in hybrid i i i think i have to make that distinction unfortunately uh but i i think with that and the and the increase in in the infrastructure of, of of electric charging stations and so forth um i i i think that's a silver lining to come out of the uh the the sooty exhaust that is the diesel game <laughs> scandal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> okay. Quick recap. So the, the thing about there was an article recently on uh, one of the major car websites and basically what it said was Honda and VW take drastically different perspective on the future in terms of electrification. Um, VW is, is betting on full AVs and Honda is looking at hybridization and that sort of thing as the yeah. as the way forward. People don't and, want full AVs, says the CEO of Honda, blah blah blah. Here's I'm not exactly pro-Japanese more than I am pro-German. However, Matt Fair at the smoking chart made a really good point. There is no way.
1: As, as he tends to do. As he tends to. Not always, but tends to. do.
0: There's no way that the electrical grid of a city like LA can in any way support even 30% EV adoption in the city.
1: Oh, no. Said, no, no, no. Not even close. He spent the last four
0: years building a parking garage for cars. And he said, all the city would give him is 400 amps. He wanted to have a dozen-ish charging stations for electric cars. And they said, we'll give you four. That's the most we can offer you. And they're not even 800 volt. They're like, no, they're barely level three. (laughs) So as a result, he's like, I want to do more. They said, no. That doesn't speak well to to the to the future of you know this fully electrified utopia that people say that it's it's going to exist someday. No, because they can't make the electricity fast enough. So gasoline is here to stay for the next several decades.
1: Yeah, I mean well. Well, and and what I did was is I I knew, and I was very well aware of the fact that you know the the electric grid just can't support you know a ton of electric cars so what i did was is i got on my own house i got solar panels and i built it large enough to be able to support me charging my car every day at my house i have a, a clarity electric you know it doesn't have a huge range it doesn't have a huge battery pack it's only 25.5 kilowatt hours uh, of which I probably use around 17 to 19 kilowatt hours every day, <clears throat> if even that. But my my solar panels um, cover that, including all the stuff that we do for our house. So you know, well, that's, I, that's I, great. I, I I think if everybody did that, like like if you buy an electric car you should do something, you know, solar panel wise to kind of cover what you are doing. And I think if more people did that in their own homes, as opposed to, you know, the, just the regular electric grid. And I think there's a lot of infrastructure that we need to do to be able to support that.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely agree. The, the main other problem is that the solar panel idea works so much better in places like California and Florida than it does in most of the country because there's so much cloud cover in this country, especially in the fall and the winter, and in, in other seasons than there is on the coast. And as a result, you just don't, it isn't sustainable. So it, there's it's a very complicated picture and so it's sort of what I'm trying to say. So gasoline is here to stay. It's gonna be several decades. Um, at a future podcast, we're going to talk about the future of autonomous driving and how far away that is. Yeah. Um, But also in a future podcast, I want to talk about what Zach and I would like in the following decade and what we're hoping for, because there's a lot of cool things on the horizon. They just need the right impetus. They need the right funding. And I think we're looking at a very bright future for the car.
1: Oh my gosh yeah i mean it's it, it for everyone who and matt and i have heard this time and time and time again and that is well you know people aren't going to be driving in the future and i'm like you're out of your mind <laughs> yeah you you're you're making them by far more efficient you're making them far, safer, and you're making them a nicer place to be in because of mm-hmm. all your activity absolutely i mean just just the fact that a lot of your family van, you know family vehicles like either minivans or midsize you know SUVs and stuff like that are starting to supply 2.5 amp usb ports to support tablets Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, I, I think you know one of the things that we'll definitely see disappear is the the DVD Blu-ray player. Absolutely, I, I I think that's definitely on its way out and stuff like that. But but Matt's right. I mean, the the automobile has such a bright future. Um, and and yeah, and and we'll talk about you know what what we can expect from that um you know going forward so i'm i'm happy for it matt what about you
0: absolutely i think uh that's a podcast
1: absolutely vroom vroom matt
0: hey good night